It's The Mockery, the Forest Gate podcast. It's episode 10. No fruit baskets on the march here, yet. So Forest Gate, it is, there's a lot of, in one road, there's a lot of shops and everything, but then when you go a bit more back, it's quite quiet compared to around from. But yeah, it's a nice area. People are nice, everyone's nice. It's more of a community area. Takeaways here, like the chip shop and that, it's not to my taste, to be honest. Like, I'm, I'm not very fond of it. It's just what it is, like, you know, each their own. Hello and welcome to The Mockery, where we've reached episode 10. This month we've lost Tom. Uh, well, before you all start cheering loudly, we've not really lost him. He's been away on holiday, doing missionary work at Trump Towers in Vegas with his uncle Donald. Now he's back, he couldn't drag his lazy jet lag carcass to the microphone, having stuffed his face on his new regular diet of fried chicken and cheese. But he'll be waddling back for the next episode, after he's got his new job at Dixie Chicken. We're also without Samir's audio contribution this episode. He appears to have forgotten that he was on his honeymoon when he originally said yes he'd do it. But hopefully he's having a fun time and we'll get him on air as soon as we can to get his take on the delights and personalities of Forest Gate. So instead of Tom, we've got Coffee Seven's Mick Clark. So hello, Mick. Hello. What's been on your mind the last month or so when it comes to Forest Gate, Mick? <laughs> I thought you said this was going to be easy. What's happening at Coffee Seven? Yes, it's all happening at Coffee Seven. We've got Michael Sanders, as many people know now, in charge of uh, day-to-day running of the cafe, and he is also um, back in fine form with uh, his restaurant, which is open Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Little, little plug there. What pictures have you got on the wall at Coffee Seven, Mick? Anything coming up? Looking forward, we've got an exciting programme of council redevelopment of the pavement coming up. Is that does that grab you? <laughs> uh, I have no idea what that means. What does it mean? <laughs> well, it means you you might remember that there was a consultation on the um, public works around Forest Gate Station, um, and. That programme is due to start any minute now, I guess. So it'll be weeks and weeks of fun as we pick our way around plastic barriers and piles of paving stones and bags of sand. OK, well, that's something to look forward to. Um, and talking of looking forward, we've got Tom Ellis, ep- episode two, part two of Tom Ellis. Uh, you interviewed Tom. Uh, how was the interview for you? <laughs> Tom, Tom... Tom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's, let's just play Tom. <laughs> Episode the part two of Tom uh, Ellis's chat with Mick. Here we go. Have you started? Or have you just turned yeah, it yeah, off? Yeah, let's go. Let's oh, go. Last episode, we spoke to local Forest Gate artist Tom Ellis about his recent art exhibition at the Wallace Collection and about exhibiting in the local area. In part two, we asked him his thoughts and opinions about community art, such as the Forest Gate Arts Trail. As an artist, the most important thing is to do things that work for you. And, uh, you know, art, art is one area where compulsion is never really to, to be embraced, you know, unless it's coming from within. But any kind of pressure or, or duty or anything like that is always to be looked at twice. I would say those kind of contexts actually are really interesting and I would say one should definitely engage with them and find out and see whether there's a way in which you can incorporate it into your work. 
there's a suspicion if you if you're not engaging with that that you're being you know you're taking a sort of lofty or careerist or self-important kind of role which I, I but I would say the artist is entitled to do that if they if they don't see a place for them then there's no there's never any compulsion to do something having said that if you can work within that very successfully then I think it's really rich and very interesting. But I will always be very selfish. That's really the real dictator of any context you're going to operate in, um, whether it be this cafe, the Arts Trail, the Wallace Collection, Tay Modern. You know, basically, to, to do it properly, you have to give it all your consideration and do it, and do it well. Does he think the council involvement is problematic? I think the most successful versions of those things have grown up more organically than this one did because I think the council came in very early. But that's partly because this arts trail is following on the back of successful models that have preceded it. But as I say, it really does come down to that, how much energy and how much enthusiasm does an artist have for something? Because cause if you're going to do it properly, you're going to have to give it your best. And I think it's very easy with those things to feel like, oh, that's just something, oh, you can just do that with your back feet. That's not how I'd approach it. And the same thing with the cafe. I'd love to do a project here, but I would view it as, as almost requiring all of my powers of... Um, attention to pull it off successfully how does he see his time as artist in residence at coffee seven and it's interesting actually because that that you know i enjoy i was enjoying that and i never saw like concrete artwork like in itself come out of that you know so i had these drawings and i still have these drawings and i'm sure they have a future but um but i never really resolved what their role in my actual externally published if you like work was with the drawings here I was, I was exploring what, where my commitment is to this idea of portraiture and whether there's something in there for me. Well, can I, can I make these kind of quite, actually quite polite and safe and traditional drawings of people's faces? And, and somehow, is there something in here? Is there something that's going to fall out of this process that will be really interesting and really powerful? We asked Tom about his future art plans. The Wallace was a project growing over five years. I don't want to rush towards and I don't want to feel like I'm rushing to find another one because that's not how that worked. So I think the one thing I need to steal against is a feel, feeling that having done this, I should be back up there doing all these things. I just think it's not, that's, it's a, that's, that's a thinking error, even though it's tempting because obviously you feel very validated when you do these big projects. People are going to buy your work or support your work they need to know you're serious about it. But I think it's that comes back to that thing of Dega. You know, if you're going to do this properly, you've got to do it. You have to, you have to make sure that you're really taking responsibility for those choices. I love these kind of doing something that's slightly cussed and against the grain. Being able to speak quite freely about things and trust yourself to, to do that has been a big it shift. It shifts the dynamic where, to, to a point where I feel like, okay, I can really start to just take follow my instincts and do the things I want to do. Hello, my name's Beth from Corner Kitchen and you're listening to The Mockery. God, he does go on a bit, doesn't he? Um, do you think it's his name being called Tom? Because our Tom goes on a bit too. You're putting me on the, on the spot there, Gary. I get the feeling he wasn't so keen on the arts trail. Um, I think he was very diplomatic about the arts trail. That's a no then. <laughs> the question is, what's happening this year with the Arts Trail? Do we know? No, I haven't got a clue. Um, nobody seems to know. Nobody is actually saying it's going to happen, so uh, I'm guessing it's not. Well, that, so would be, that would be a shame, because it was a, an exciting event for the last two years. 
So yeah, if anyone knows, get in touch and we'll uh, we'll give you a plug. So what about you? Do, do you dabble a bit, Mick? Do you, do you, are you into art, drawing, painting? I did do A-level art, but that was mainly an opportunity to bunk off school and go to visit art galleries in inverted commas. So yeah, we've got a bit of an arts and craft feel to this episode. And yes, we spoke to Ava Nittaway recently. Now we've got a chat with Mary, your, your, your missus, and a knit and natter group. Needles at the ready, Mazza. I'm here at Coffee 7 with the ladies who knit and natter. Jen, you started the knitting group. Can you tell me a little bit about your inspiration? Well, I previously run a knitting group and then when the cafe opened and I got to know Mick and Mary at the market, I spoke to them, is it all right if we set up a knitting group? That was it, really. So the February after you opened, we set up the knitting group. We've been here ever since. So that's five years now. What an achievement. I know, it doesn't seem like five weeks. (laughs) Ro, can you describe what you're making? It's a Mexican lanterns blanket. There you go, for my friend's little girl. And what, what's it made from? Um, pure cotton, which is what she asked for. And how many hours work have yep. you put into that? God knows. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not, a, it's not a viable selling product? Not really, no. And you also knit? Yes. Yep. Which do you love best? I like knitting best because I think it looks better. But I like crochet. Like I like Joanne's cardigan. That's she's got a nice crochet cardigan there. And yeah, if you could find nice patterns like that, then that's a great thing as well. So, but I just think clothing looks better knitted than crocheted in general. But it depends on your pattern. So, Julia, you're making the most exquisite um, turquoisey green patterns. Sure, it is. Sure. Does it decrease? It's still growing and it's a very frustrating one actually because I currently have just gone wrong which means I was watching television last night and not concentrating but because I'm with my friends here I am able to uh, unpick without moaning and swearing quite as much as I probably would do at home so I feel in a nice uh, environment to actually repair my mistakes. So is that one of the advantages of coming together with people like-minded who will help you if you're in difficulty? Absolutely. And also I think it's a nice atmosphere uh, and you can do these tedious things because you're just amongst friends and you can pick up on other conversations and it makes it easier. And Claire, you've just dropped a huge skein of wool. Oh no, Jenny's winding too fast now. (laughs) And we're getting to the end, and I've got snaggy jewellery on. <laughs> I have a job, unfortunately, that gets in the way of my knitting, which is not good. But uh, yeah, I love to come whenever I can. And you also have a stall on the market on occasion. Now and again, yes. What do you sell on that stall? Um, I like little itty bitty things. So anything that I can knit or crochet that's little will go on the stall. So yeah. baby clothes are my biggest things, and then little accessories. Knitted brooch flowers and hair bands and key rings and that kind of stuff. Lovely. Little things. It's all about the teeny things. 
Do you feel that there's pressure on you to do knitting and crochet? No, no this is a lovely group. There's a lot of friendship in this group, there's a lot of love in this group, yeah. there's a lot of support in this group. Mm. Um, we learn from each other. Jo, yes. you're not knitting or crocheting. No, She's I'm cross-stitching. <laughs> yes. I, I have, I have level, level 7 in um, nattering. Okay. I'm <laughs> level one in knitting. <laughs> Have you ever pearled one, Mick? I did once knit a um, chicken egg cosy at primary school. Did it? Did it work? It was absolutely fabulous. I've probably still got it somewhere. Well, oh. my mum's probably still got it somewhere. Well, your mum's still got it. Yeah. Not that she boils eggs anymore, but... So, have you ever been seen in an errand? Mary never made anything for you to wear? When I met Mary, I did have a very nice rainbow-knitted sweater. That could be useful, Sue. It could be. It could be. You given know... the uh, the parades that are due to be happening at any given moment. I think, what date is that? Is it the 1st of July? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. But yep. uh, more of that another time, I suspect. Um, I quite like a good jumper myself. Uh, Shall we jump on to our next interview? Very neatly done, Gary. Well, yes, we are going to chat now to Ellie Pierce about her exhibition at the gate and the return of the mini artists of Forest Gate. Hello, Ellie. My name's Eleanor Pierce. I'm an artist and I've lived in Forest Gate for about four years now. I'm also Director of Art at Islington Arts Factory, which is a community art centre in Holloway, North London. So when I moved here, I was coming with the experience of working with the community over there and I just saw enormous potential locally for all kinds of projects. So I've tried to invest myself in that ever since. I studied fine art at Middlesex University. So when I was there, people weren't drawing or painting. So I felt the lack of that, but they kind of encouraged installation, video, and I did some performance art as well. So that's kind of my background. So my inspiration is always to go to places like the National Gallery, and I love nothing more than spending a day there with a sketchbook and working from the old masters, if you like. So um, I really love Caravaggio. Um, Rubens. I'm looking more towards developing um, groups of figures in paintings and I probably prefer that to the contemporary art scene if I'm honest. That's where I'll take my um, my inspiration. I'm quite direct in the way I approach my work. Um, I really believe in developing a skills-based practice especially in the last few years so I did a sabbatical recently, um, two summers ago actually, where I spent three months in Normandy and during that time I focused on observational practice from landscape and I discovered portraiture. So having um, tested my hand at that, I came back to London and I sought some training at the Royal Drawing School. So I did a couple of terms of a course called Drawing the Head and that really got me into, um, yeah, into working from portraiture. And so I needed more practice. So I thought, hey, I'm going to invite people from Forest Gate to come and sit for me and we'll see where it goes. So um, I put the call out on uh, a group called Forest Gate Life. I thought this is a ripe audience for my artistic endeavour. And people were interested in sitting for me. And um, 
I got more and more offers and it accumulated momentum and I got a project together of more than 20 portraits. I found the prospect of being one-on-one in the portrait situation a little bit intimidating because obviously you're asking someone to donate their time and um, there's a certain expectation that you have to deliver a likeness. I really found that it was kind of community contributors, if you like, who um, wanted to give their time. I thought it was really important to give these people a nod, if you like. I've just finished an exhibition at the library of my Forestgate portrait project. Um, there's still some of the pieces on display that people can go and see. Um, But it's running alongside an exhibition of work by my students from an over-50s art club that I run at the library, which is quite a new thing for me to work with adults. But it's been amazing. Everyone seems really keen to come and and learn in that way. Um, I've also got a class called the Mini Artists of E7, which I run from the library. So that happens on Thursdays and it's age 6 to 11. So that's going to be starting up again at the end of April, if anyone's interested. Yeah, well, I've been teaching at Islington Arts Factory as part of the programme there for the last 10 years. So working with children aged between four and, well, up to young people of 19. So um, I wanted to bring that to Forest Gate because when I moved here, I didn't see any kind of activity for kids going on. And I really felt there was a gap in the market. So when I first started the classes... There was definite interest from people who, you know, want to come after school and just develop drawing skills. So, yeah, I just wanted to bring that to them and also offer them some other opportunities. So my mini artist group have worked with um, Jeff Levy from Number 8 and they submitted some designs to him, which he then made into jewellery. So I thought that was a really interesting prospect. And they've also exhibited as part of the um, Forest Gate Arts Trail. So I'm trying to give them that early kind of professional experience of being exhibiting artists. The mini artists of E7 is starting off again at the end of April. So basically it's every Thursday, it's 4 to 5.30, it's £10 a session, and we are working towards exhibition again. So we work with a variety of materials from lots of different subjects. I'm on Twitter, at Eleanor Pierce, so you can message me through there. I've got a website, it's www.eleanorpierce.co.uk. And hopefully if you googled Eleanor Pierce, you'd get hundreds of hits coming up. So please do get in touch and um, yeah, look forward to having some new students. Thanks for that, Ellie. Good luck with the mini people of the area. Um, any final thoughts, Mick? Well, I'm really looking forward to Tom being back, actually, because he, he makes this job sound so slick and easy, and it's actually very difficult. OK, well, right, that's, that's episode 10 out the way. We hope you've enjoyed it. As we put this episode to bed, as it were, there is news of a general election and the possibility of a, an election special, so... Listen to this space. Yeah, yeah. Episode 11, here we come. Uh, Not that we're trying to sway you or anything. Thanks to our interviewees, Tom Ellis, the Knit and Natter Group, and Ellie Pierce. See you next time. Welcome to Food Hall Focus. Here are the recent Food Standards Agency hygiene rating results for the Woodgrange Road eateries, as reported in March 2017. Food Hygiene, Central Forest Gate Division. 
Cafe Familiar, four. Corner Kitchen, five. Subway, five. Compots Cafe, one. Eat More, three. Ghost Chili, four. Papa's Chicken, three. Moon House, three. KFC, four. Pizza Haven, one. Dixie Chicken, nil. Percy Ingle, four. Aromas, four. Fox and Hounds, three. McDonald's, five. Everest Fish and Chips, one. No Restaurant, one. Greg's, five. Forest Tavern, four. Coffee, seven, four. So, looking at the league tables, on the up this year is Eatmore from a zero to three star rating. Biggest drop, Compot down four to one, Popper's Chicken down five stars to three, and Noor and Everest Fish and Chip Shop down three to one. Pick where you eat, people. This is The Mockery, the Forest Gate podcast. Interviews were conducted by Mick, Gary and Mary Clark, with links and funny stuff from Gary and Mick. Gary also edited the whole thing together and Dan uploaded it. Tom did nothing as he was on holiday in America. Tell us what you think about Forestgate by writing or sending a short audio file to Podcast at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook and Twitter at The Mockery. Opening and closing music was Set the Fire by Swimming Tapes. For details of other music and sound effects used, please visit themockery.com for links. Thanks to Choc Choc Creative Limited and Coffee 7. The views expressed on this podcast are solely those of the contributors providing them and do not represent the makers of The Mockery podcast. The Mockery is a 2017 GMTD production for the Forestgate podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it. If you've been affected by any of the interviews, please call the Artists Anonymous helpline. The number is num 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 num